This is the Business Central Manufacturing Show, and I am Martin Karlovich. Hi folks, my today's guest is Michael Herring from Germany. Michael is industry manager Concrete and works for Cosmo Consult Group based here in Germany. He is member of Cosmo's global management team and responsible for the development of the company's products and solutions for discrete manufacturing. Michael started his career with Schmitz Cargobull AG, which is a leading German manufacturer of semi-trailers, trailers and truck bodies. Among other responsibilities, he was the head of IT for a production site with more than 600 employees. He first got in contact with Navision in the year 2000 before he joined Cosmo Consult in 2003, where he drives their business with and shapes their products for discrete manufacturing clients. Hence, Michael has been working on the crossover from IT to manufacturing for his entire career. As such, he is a regular speaker at Directions EMEA. Michael, Thank you very much for taking time and for being my guest in the Business Central Manufacturing Show. You're welcome, Martin. So let's get this rolling actually with an anecdote. You started your career at Schmidt's Cargo Bull AG. Well, you know what? Netronic Software actually was founded 45 years ago by a person called Andreas Schmitz. And we all know that the name Schmitz in Germany is as common as the name Smith in the English-speaking world. But no kidding, The Netronic founder Andreas Schmitz actually comes from the Schmitz Cargobull family. So he decided to leave the family business that you worked for in order to build his own company. And hence, thanks to this decision, I have my job today. So now back to you. You asked me to mention Schmitz Cargobull as you learned a lot about manufacturing and lean manufacturing there. What is it what you learned and why is this so important to you? Yes, it was transformation from the company from the beginning. And when I started there, they produced about 30 trailers per day in a week, very order-related and very project-oriented. I remember when I was there on the first day on the plant, there were big trailers we built for a Korean Donga group and really big trailers. And then they decided to focus on specific markets. So they said, we focus on markets and we grow in this focus. And the company blossomed up from this smaller trailer manufacturing company to one of the world leading companies for this business. And they did it with lean management, with Kanban. And so now they are able to produce 200 trailers per day. But every trailer is still order-related. And that's what I think is so amazing. So they build 200 trailers a day in one plant and every trailer is made to order? Yes, it's a variant. So the big example was automotive industry. And they said, okay, when you buy a car, and of course, you can buy a Volkswagen Golf, for instance. But each Volkswagen Golf on the street is different. And they say, hey, this is a good example. And why can we do it in our business too? And if you are on the streets, you see a lot of trailers, but each trailer is different from the other. And now they are able to produce such big amount of trailers and everything is automated. Of course, it was a big investment in variant management. It was a big investment in the logistic. But I remember a couple of years ago, it was uh, before the uh, year 2000, the former chairman, Peter Schmidt, said, and in the year 2000, we will have a revenue of 1 billion Deutschmark. At least it doesn't reach 1,000, 1 billion Deutschmark in the year 2000, but they reached 1 billion euros in 2003. So it was really a big 
yeah, increase in revenue. And how did lean management help them to achieve this? Yeah, so it was uh, very funny. So at the beginning, it was a company really uh, order-related. A lot of material was in the warehouse. When I visited the plant in Altenberge for the first time, there was shelves from the bottom of the production hall to the roof full of material. Then they hired a consultant company and they changed everything to Kanban as a demand method. And one year later, there was no longer material in the production hall, only the small boxes, the Kanban boxes. They were need for the assembling for this uh, special trailer at this point of time. And they changed everything, the whole supply chain to Kanban. So they reduced the stock in the warehouse by 90% and even normally only C parts. So if you look in the book and read something about Kanban, they say, hey, Kanban is for C parts and so on. And we also made it with Excels or with Rifa aggregates from Ireland with a value of 60,000 Deutschmark or so 30,000 euros. They were always bought and delivered in, in a Kanban system. And that was a real big experience for me. And how did IT contribute to implementing lean management there? Of course, at the end, they know Kanban has nothing to do with IT. But uh, to be honest, you must give your supplier a forecast. Otherwise, the stock is not in your production hall. The stock is in his warehouse and you have to pay for it too. So the clue is to build up a system that allows you to give a revenue for this material or for this groups of material buy from one vendor. So he can produce in time, so similar to the automotive industry. And uh, then you just make the call up and then the material will be delivered in time. So this was a thing about starting from the sales forecast because everything was order related. You have more higher demand, a lower demand and something like this. So the clue was that you have that they were able to create a forecast for the vendors so that they can still produce and deliver in time, even if there is a curve in the demand. That means that in the time when you worked for them, you already started to implement demand-driven forecast systems based on single vendors. Yes, based for single vendors, we had sales, bill of materials, and the production planning was also very simple. So it was just a small mathematical operation. Say, okay, in our production are 600 employees. With 600 employees, I can produce, let's say, 500 trailers. Tomorrow, I have only 500 workers. So how many trailers can I produce with 500 workers? And of course, it was a little bit more complicated, as, as I told it. But it was the same principle. And the idea was to focus on the people, on the management of the people, and to rely on the people on the shop floor. And the IT system was just the framework to support them with the information to make the right decision. How does this translate to what you see today when you work with manufacturing clients? What needs do they have today in terms of support by IT or how can IT today, as it seems IT became way more complicated, how can IT support manufacturing companies? So at the beginning of an IT project, I think there are two different parties of customers. Some companies say, okay, we have to bring all information in the IT system and the IT system has to make all the decisions. I think that works for companies in the more or less in the process manufacturing business. But on the other hand, there are some companies that say, no, I have 
so experienced people in my shop floor, I want that they still make the decision and the system should just provide the information. One example for this is that IT system says, okay, this is a capacity by day or by week. And in the rough planning, we fill up this capacity by 80%. And but the sequence will be decided by the people on this workstation, for instance. So there is a No, we don't want that the system tell the worker now has to take a hammer and to smash it down for two times. And this all is the setup time and the runtime. They just say, okay, we uh, fill up the capacity onto a certain level and the rest is up to the worker. So this means that from your point of view, lean manufacturing then can work if it is supported with an IT system that gives power to the people rather than that gives power to itself. Is this right? Yes. So at least even when we speak about lean management, we need a framework and this framework are information. I must know, even if I do have the, uh, the space or the room for maneuver to make my own decision, say, okay, this is a deadline. So you have the room for maneuver, but you must be finished at least by the end of the day. So, and this other information It must be delivered by the system. Otherwise, the guy on the shop floor is not able to make the best decision on its own. So the system delivers the framework, the information, the KPI, uh, information what is on stock and what not, and then uh, he can make his decision. So do you see this kind of IT system and human intelligence collaboration working today? Or do you see that with things like artificial intelligence and technologies like this, the human intelligence is more and more pushed to the side with the modern IT systems? It's a good question. So, Martin, I'm a little bit uh, the old-fashioned guy. So <laughs> I think the human beings have so many experience and it is so quite difficult for AI to make the right uh, decisions. Uh, and I think it depends on the business. I think uh, if you are in the process manufacturing business, an AI has a higher priority than in the discrete manufacturing business because we speak about a lot of variants and a lot of parameters which have influence on the production. The collaboration between IT and the human beings is also then different. So from my point of view, in the discrete manufacturing, the collaboration is that the people are still making the decision and the system supports them with the right information at the right point of time. And I think that's still a problem at the moment because the most system has a, the data quality of the system is mostly too bad to do this. In other in other branches, it is different. So if we speak about a big quantity we have to produce, like um, in the plastic industry, so when the injection molding machines produce thousands of pieces per minute, then uh, artificial intelligence has, of course, a higher priority because optimization between the machines is totally above the head of the normal human being. So here we can speak about AI support. So that means that you see artificial intelligence playing a larger role when processes become more repetitive and when quantities increase, because when you say in process manufacturing, then that makes more sense than with process manufacturing, you can theoretically say that the quantity is unlimited or endless. And you spoke about the injection molding example where we have high quantities and repetitive processes. But in the less repetitive world, then human beings still have more influence on the output. So then you, you made an interesting statement on the data quality. You say that in, in many systems and for many environments, the data quality is too bad. 
Is this because the system actually asks for too many type of data and it is virtually impossible to handle? Or is it that because the people working with the system don't get why they should add the data into the system? I think it's more the second one. The most people starting with the IT system and uh, expect a lot from the system. They say, okay, I have a problem. My problem is I'm not able to deliver in time. My problem is I don't have a good sales forecast. My problem is I don't have control over my stock. And then they say, okay, I have a problem. So I buy an ERP system. Then I have a solution for my whole company and they want too much from the system in a too short period of time. And at the end, they start implement the system, but they forgot to work on the basics. And the basics is the bill of material. The basics are the postings of the conjunction and so on. But when the system is running, then it's quite difficult to change this basic information. When you start changing the bill of material because they are not correct when the system is running for one year, then the people don't rely on the system. And then we have a kind of shadow systems in the background. And then they start working with Excel or whatever. And I think that is the biggest problem we have. So the advice that you give when people start implementing an ERP system in manufacturing to really not forget about the basics, but start with the basics. So what concrete basics do you have in mind? What are the concrete first steps that people should take when they implement an ERP system? So I think from my point of view, ERP implementation is also a kind of business process reengineering. So they have to think about their business processes and they have to consider if the actual processes are still up to date. So normally every company has an IT system. Maybe it's a self-developed system that was running for 10 or 15 years and they started the development. It's really like a suit that's completely tailored to your body. It fits perfectly, but the company like a human being. So I'm not as thin as I was 20 years ago. So my body changed a little bit and it's the same like the company. So they have to check if the old processes still fit to the company. They have to cut processes, they have to change processes. Then they have to uh, always to think about, can I do it more simple as before? And then they have to start, when they start the IT system, they must make realistic steps. So I think less is more. Maybe the system offers you a lot of possibilities and we can speak about artificial intelligence, we can speak about production planning and so on, but we have to take care about the basics, we have to take care about the material, the bill of materials. We must make sure that the organization is able to post the output, to post the consumption and this in a really close point of time not by the end of the day or the end of the week. And if you make sure that all these basics are there and we have a clear plan for the future, then we can start installing a system. And then I'm sure that the implementation will run smoothly. So interestingly enough, in the last two answers, you mentioned what I tend to call the natural enemies of company growth. And this is tailor-made system and this is a Microsoft Excel-based shadow system or a Microsoft Excel-based shadow system. So why do you think that a system like Microsoft Dynamics 365 Business Central is a good alternative to tailor-made or to Excel-based? 
To be honest, I don't know if my answer is valid for everything because I'm a fan of Business Central. I started with uh, working with Business Central, as you mentioned, nearly 20 years ago. But I was really impressed because the system allows you a flexibility to cover your processes, even if they changed. And it's more flexible than every other IT system I've ever seen. So even one example was a couple of years ago at an implementation of Business Central in UK. I was an IT guy. I was responsible for the data and I prepared all the data. I did it with Access and other tools. And in the night before the going live, we were in UK and we started to import the data to Business Central. Unfortunately, I forgot that in UK, we don't have a decimal comma, that we have a decimal point. So all the data, all the figures were wrong. With every other system, we have, uh, must have said, okay, stop the implementation now. And we tried again in one or two weeks, but Business Central was flexible enough to fix it. And of course, now, 20 years later, a lot of new functionality came to the system. It offers a lot of new possibilities, especially with integration of all the Microsoft stuff. But at the end, it is still one of the most flexible ERP systems I've ever seen. And I think that is a big advantage of the system. But isn't there a danger in the flexibility because this can tempt people to build something tailor-made again? Yes, of course. If there is light, of course, then there's also shadow. But I think with a good consultant on your side, you can handle this issue. And then the advantages are bigger than the disadvantages. So I think from my experience, nearly every company had made a bad ERP implementation in the past and spent a fortune on a system and the result was more or less zero. And my experience is that all the companies learned from the past and that they accept that there are some guidelines in each ERP system. And if I'm in these lines, then I can do what I want and I can work flexible. But if I cross these lines, then it becomes very expensive for me. And this is a new thinking. Even in the past, everybody said, no, we want to stay close to the standard. And in the project, they changed their mind and did a lot of individualization. But now they learned. And even with a good consultant that gives you a right advice, you can do this, this and this, but never do this. Then even the implementation will be a success. And then you have a benefit from the flexibility. So let's switch topics a little bit. When I prepared for the show, I actually read an article that you published in a coding magazine. And in this article, you coined the phrase industry 4.0 is like a box of chocolates. So what does this mean? Everybody talks about this. And when I heard people talking about this industry 4.0 and all the other stuff, I say, hey, it's not new for me. It's very old. We had the same stuff since a, a lot of years ago. And then I had an interview with analysts from Gartner. And I asked him exactly the question, say, okay, where is the benefit? Has it really such a high importance or not? And he said, yes, it has a right relevance, but only for dedicated companies. And it's really like a box of chocolate. So there's everything is there and you try to eat more, 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 but then you lose your goal. The real problems you have cannot be covered by this technique from industry 4.0. So you have to work on the basics, 
try to find out where your real problems were and then you pick the chocolate or the piece of technology that fits to your problem. But it makes no sense to eat everything at one time. The only thing is that you become sick and fat. And this brings us back to what you said about ERP implementations and about the risk and the chance of making a tailor-made. You always, and this is your key recommendation that I'm taking away, is always start with the basics, don't forget with the basics, cover the basics first, and then start from there, start from the core processes and core issues, independent what the buzzword is, independent if it's industry 4.0 or if it's ERP or if it's artificial intelligence. Let's say, always start from the basics. Yeah. So now, in my observation, there are people out there who actually currently say that with COVID-19 and all of what is happening, that some of the basics, how we do business, are going to change. So what is your view on this? What should be the basic things that manufacturers should do now, given that maybe some of the basics change? So in the past, they were focused on, especially, so my business is a discrete manufacturing business. I have the best experience with. They focus in the past a lot on the products and to make the best products in the world with uh, long supply chains from China and so on. And I think in the future, there will more focus on the internal processes to make the internal processes more stable and to integrate the new technologies like so modern workplace, Microsoft Teams and so on in their company. And I expect that in the near future, the typical ERP system is only a smaller part of the IT environment in the company. And we have additional solutions around there. But the additional solutions or uh, IT systems, they are all together the IT system, the main IT system for the company. So a couple of years ago, they made a decision in favor of let's buy an ERP system and the IP system should have cover all the things of the company. And I think now they pick and say, this is the ERP system. Now I need something to collaborate and collaboration becomes more and more important. So especially of the COVID-19, they say, okay, now we need some tools like teams to organize meetings with our sales, purchase department, production department, and also my external production companies. So with the subcontractors, and this will change a little bit in the future. Now they have telephone calls and email and now the people learn to work more together, even if they're not sitting in the same office. So do you think that the supply chains will become shorter again so that they, less, less you said, when they optimize less on the product quality, but more on the processes, will this have an impact on the length of the supply chains? I think, yes. So especially the bigger companies have some supply chains to to China. And I think they will think about this. Maybe they will produce a lot of stuff more locally. The smaller companies already do this since ever. So they have the local suppliers for cutting and edging steel plates, for instance. But the bigger companies say, hey, we have a high quantity of need of this raw material and they buy it from vendors in China. Maybe it will change in the future or otherwise they will build up warehouses so that they have some material in stock for the case as something like this will happen again. But then, of course, it will change their business a little bit. So the handling of the supply chain will change. The transparency of the supply chain becomes more and more important. And also the effect of the supply chain on their production becomes more and more important. 
So let's make a thought experiment and let's look a little bit in the crystal ball. So let's assume you're right and the supply chains overall get shorter and we have more regional supply chains. So will then the companies that are part of a supply chain, will they operate let's say, within one IT environment? Or will they have, as it is today, still have their own IT environments and just exchange data through tools like phone or email? Or will, will we have, let's say, bigger IT systems for multi, that, that bring together multiple parties within a supply chain? I think they will have different systems in the future too. But on the other hand, I think also that the data structure will be more or less the same. So we see that Microsoft has a common data service where we have one data platform and it doesn't matter which ERP system is on the top. So even if the, the small company has no ERP system, but it works maybe with Excel, with spreadsheets, they can connect Excel to the common data service and they can receive the data from the vendor. So I think the system will better integrate and the collaboration will be better. And it doesn't matter if you run Business Central or F&O or which system. I, can, I think they all will participate from this data platform that is the same. So the collaboration and the integration of the systems will become more easily than it was in the past. Did you know what you just did for me is you picked one piece of chocolate from the box of chocolate of industry 4.0 and made it very, very transparent to me. And um, I think with this thought experiment, we reached the end of this show. Michael, thank you very much for sharing with me the basics that manufacturers should look like. A lot of insights from your past, but also looking with me into the future. This was really interesting and I'm pretty sure I will invite you again in the future for one of these sessions. So thank you very much. Thank you. You're always welcome, Martin. Thank you for listening to the Business Central Manufacturing Show. 